Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 7 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Downtown Sitka may look a little different this summer with lots of tourists and no cars. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it adopted the city's short-term tourism plan, which includes closing downtown Lincoln Street to traffic on days with 3,000 or more cruise ship passengers. An estimated 480,000 cruise passengers are set to travel to Sitka following the expansion of the privately owned Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal. The city's planning department prepared the short-term plan to receive the huge influx of tourists, and after more than a dozen meetings, the planning commission approved the final version last month. On the biggest cruise ship days, Lincoln Street will be closed from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. from the Lake Street intersection to Catlian Street. According to the Cruise Line Agencies of Alaska calendar, there are 71 days with 3,000 or more passengers over the course of this year's cruise season, which runs from late April to early October. The Assembly's decision to adopt the short-term tourism plan was unanimous. We'll have more coverage of last night's Sitka Assembly meeting on Raven News tonight at 518. Two crew members were safely rescued from a sinking fishing boat south of Sitka on Monday evening. According to a news release, the Coast Guard was notified at 8 p.m. that the 40-foot trawler Glory was in distress in Islet Passage, about 17 miles south of Sitka near Kanga Bay. Although protected waters, weathered conditions in the area were poor, with 5-foot seas and wind gusts to 55 miles per hour. A rescue helicopter from Air Station Sitka arrived on scene soon after the report and lowered a rescue swimmer to aid the two mariners on board the Glory. However, the flooding could not be stemmed. The swimmer advised the crew to abandon ship, and both were safely hoisted aboard the helicopter by 9 p.m. Lieutenant Commander Scott Woodcock, the helicopter pilot, complimented the crew of the Glory on their preparedness with, quote, good communication and survival gear. He noted the most difficult part of the rescue was due to the severe winds. The Glory did not fully submerge in the incident, but instead was grounded. Petty Officer Janessa Washkow says the owner has since returned with a second vessel to defuel the Glory and refloat it on Tuesday. The engines were restarted and the Coast Guard is going to allow him to attempt to bring the vessel back to Sitka under its own power. You can see a video of the rescue of the Glory on our website, kcaw.org. Paid parking is coming to Sitka's Rocky Gutierrez Airport possibly as soon as April. The Alaska Department of Transportation has issued a request for proposals for a parking management company to, quote, remedy parking issues at the airport. KCEW's Robert Woolsey reports. DOT spokesperson Sam Dapsevich says parking in Sitka has been a headache for the state for some time. Well, our, our maintenance and operations crew has, over the years, the amount of time that they've had to spend dealing with um, either illegally parked or abandoned vehicles has increased. Um, they're not really tasked with enforcement for parking. And so um, we've we've had discussions with the city about it, and we've come to a point where we needed to make a decision. And, and so that's how we came out with this RF or this uh, plan for an RFP to um, seek a parking management company. The city is involved in the conversation because it owns the terminal building, 
but the parking lot, the runway, and ramp areas are all owned by the state. Paid airport parking by no means is a new thing in Alaska's largest cities, but a relatively new addition to smaller towns. Just last December, Petersburg implemented a paid parking system that could be a model for Sitka's. A private company locally owned in Petersburg um, came forward and leased land from the state, and they're managing the parking there. Um, so, and, and it's kind of interesting. Theirs is managed primarily through a website and an app, so people pay, and they, I believe they um, register with their license plate, and they're able to uh, leave their car there, and the company manages it that way. The parking fees in Petersburg are modest. The first hour is free, then it's a dollar per hour for two to six hours of parking. One to six days is $7 per day, and it's $35 per week. There's no booth or parking attendant in Petersburg. Users download an app and scan a QR code in their parking space or pay at a website. But there's one big difference between the airports in Sitka and in Petersburg. Not everyone spending time at the airport in Sitka is getting on or off a plane. Dapsovich says the department has crowdsourced a plan to manage patrons of the Nugget restaurant. We announced this on social media, and some of the suggestions we saw were uh, a grace period, which we kind of expect. There's typically a grace period um, so that people can take care of business without having to pay if it's, you know, picking someone up, dropping someone off or whatever. So there there could be like a, a one-hour grace period potentially. Um, the other thing that we've seen suggested is, um, and I remember doing this at the Juno Airport years ago, um, you used to be able to validate your parking if you went in and ate at the restaurant. So, we're, you know, that may be an option, too, um, validated parking. Since technology has really lowered the barriers to developing paid parking in Sitka, the state thinks a vendor could be in place by April, less than two months from now. In the meantime, Dapsovich says Sitkins can ease some of the problems at the airport right now, especially by not leaving unattended vehicles in the active loading zone in front of the terminal doors. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. More people went missing in Juneau last year than any year since 2016. And some families say they had a hard time figuring out which law enforcement agencies to turn to for help. As KTOO's Lindsay Berlini reports, a new community group is stepping in to help people figure out what to do when their loved ones go missing. Last year, Kirsten Farnsworth's little brother Doug went missing in Juneau. She says his social media went dark and she immediately knew something was wrong. But she lived in Arizona, so she had to call attention to the case from several states away. Farnsworth said she emailed Juneau Police Department several times to post on social media that he was missing. After the third email, Juno police posted that he was missing on their Facebook page and assigned a detective to the case. If you don't know how to verbalize and call and be aggressive like that, then it's really easy to be overlooked or not informed. After that, someone found the truck Farnsworth's brother was driving around in a wooded area near town. So the Coast Guard, Alaska State Troopers, Juno police, and a local search dog group, Sea Dogs, went looking for him there. But they didn't find him. And that ground search didn't happen until a few days after Farnsworth reported her brother missing. And there's a short window of time when dogs will be able to pick up a scent. 
After that, it's harder to track. Time is complete essence. Like you have to immediately get smells, immediately get videotapes, immediately get everything <laughs> because tapes get lost, things get recorded over and smells go away. After the active search was called off, she says it fell to her to keep the search going. She went knocking on doors, asked people for security camera footage, reached out to her tribe, Clinkett and Haida, and organized a vigil for him. She also created a Facebook group to help find her brother. She flew to Juneau to search for him, but eventually had to go back to Arizona, so Facebook was crucial for her to keep people searching for him. So without the community and without Facebook, we wouldn't have anything going for us. It's an experience that Preston Nelson lived through, too. His grandmother, Geraldine Nelson, was the first person to go missing last year. He says he and his family used Juno Community Collective, a large community Facebook group, to post search updates and ask for help finding her. After the search for his grandmother was over, Nelson started asking questions about how the community is alerted when someone goes missing. And like Farnsworth, Nelson also has questions about who is responsible for finding them. One thing has been bothering me about all these people that go missing is they gave up after a couple of days. And a question I've been asking myself for a few weeks now is, why did they spend five days looking for my grandmother? They searched in multiple different spots the first few days, but they kept searching. He says he didn't see that same level of effort in other missing persons cases last year. Why did they give up on these other cases? The answer to those questions about who gets searched for and when are complicated. Under state law, Alaska state troopers are supposed to lead search and rescue efforts. Trooper Search and Rescue Lieutenant Paul Fussy says they factor in things like weather, geography, what kind of gear they have, and the experience of the searchers themselves when they're deciding when and how to search for someone who is missing. When a person isn't found during an active search and rescue operation, troopers turn the case over to Juno Police. Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell says local police don't help with ground searches in the woods because they aren't trained for that kind of search and rescue. But he says they will search for missing people in neighborhoods and do other investigative things like looking at phone records and interviewing people. And he says Juno Police will also post a missing person on its Facebook page, but not right away. So there's kind of a balance that we put in there to um, try to make some reasonable attempts to um, locate the person first. And while police will investigate a missing person's case, Campbell says they don't organize search parties. That means that some of that searching falls on the family once the initial search is called off. Kirsten Farnsworth says there needs to be more resources for family and friends of a missing person. She says that maybe some of those resources could be included in the packet people fill out when reporting a missing person to the police. Or it could be its own guide entirely. And then maybe possibly start offering a support group at this point because there's a lot of people missing there for how small they are. After her brother was found, Farnsworth converted the Facebook group she created to help find other missing people in Juneau. It's her way of trying to help other families of missing people in the community. In Juneau, I'm Lindsay Brolini. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to